One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. And you're welcome to The Late Lunch on Tuesday afternoon. 086-1800-658 is our text number. Myself, Cahill Dervin and Sinead Brazel with you all the way through till 3.30. And I'm delighted to say our first guest in studio today is a Monaghan man, a man from Inniskeen by the name of Oliver Callan. Oliver, you're very welcome to the programme. Good afternoon. And thank you for coming in. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, this would be normal lunchtime for me now. Is it like late lunch? I was always curious about that one on LMF. Oh, sort of half one. Yeah. You see, my normal working day, I start work at three o'clock in the afternoon and we tend in, in the sun, we work through to about 11 in the so evening. So your lunchtime so is six. My lunchtime is around six. And when I come in at three o'clock, I say good morning to people and they're looking at me as if I've got three heads. Well, it's a morning in my life, it might not be morning in your life. So yeah. late lunch is sort of a put your feet up in the chair there and have a cup of tea and, and wonder what's going to happen next. And, and we will wonder what's going to happen next because that's what the nature of this programme is. Exactly. Even I'm wondering. Even you're wondering what's going to happen next. First of all, and we will come back to this very shortly, but the the, the main reason you're here is to promote Patrick having the weekend in your native yes, scheme. This is my kind of voluntary uh, work, um, like I say, community service that I have to carry out. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm from Inneskeen, although I would have been born in Drogheda. Ironically, well, most of uh, most of us down around South Monaghan have that kind of stain on our reputation that the passport actually says loud. It's like a lot of Meath footballers were born in Dublin. Yeah, it's a funny one that Loud never tapped that actually, considering all the football talent in Monaghan. The parentage rule or whatever they they, yeah, the they get copied. So God, I'm getting the dig in really early. <laughs> you know the GA talent, you know, mm. which is obviously. Um, yeah, no, you aren't doing too badly in Monaghan at the moment, though. Well, that's what I mean. It's Loud, you know, yeah. it's amazing they didn't try to use that kind of rule to to tap tap our talent. Um, no, we did great all summer, but they were the people in Loud were were delighted when um, you should have had a free, by the way. When we crashed out. That's, that was a free. Well, it was a free. I mean, from where I was yeah. sitting in the hogs, his hand, what does that mean when his hand it's goes up like supposed that? Supposed to mean a free. Pointing to, it's supposed to indicate a free. And, uh, and you score All the conspiracy theories are still going. Uh, but no, no, I'm from Inneskeen. I went to school there in St. Degg's, across the road from uh, the Patrick Cavanagh Centre. And this is the time of the year when we have to come out of our burrows and start promoting and talking about Paddy Cavanagh again. We had a good kind of rebranding of him last year because he it was the 50th anniversary of his death. Uh, he died in 1967 around November. It's the same um, same anniversary as Oscar Wilde, believe it or not. Oh. Um, a couple of uh, decades apart. And, um, you know, Kavanaugh has kind of haunted our 
shadowed us all our lives in Inneskeen and he's someone we've we've grown begrudgingly to become very proud of. Is it a bit like sort of if you're from Liverpool, people are going to ask about the Beatles? I mean, has, has it got to that stature yet, do you think? <laughs> you know, I suppose he, he was probably the first major celebrity that Monaghan could put claim on. Although it's funny you mentioned Liverpool because one of the fellas who founded Liverpool uh, was a McKenna from Monaghan up in Glass Lock there. Um, but yeah, I think of a, of a certain generation, Kavanaugh was the fella that was really heavily associated with Monaghan. I mean, even to this day, fellas of people of my generation who, you know, had Kavanaugh at the Leaving Cert and it's nearly 20 years since I had the Leaving Cert, um, would always say, oh, you're from Monaghan, Stony Grey Soil in mm. Monaghan and bicycles gone by in twos and trees and all that. So he really does have a sort of character that just embedded itself with Monaghan, even though he ironically is part of that sort of jazz literary scene uh, in Dublin of the 1950s, which seemed to have been a really fun time. It was like a glimmer of light before, you know, a kind of Catholic concern. It was Ireland the swing really. in the 60s before the 60s, yeah, wasn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. Because this is post-war and post-war in most parts of Europe were really kind of, you know, a time of, look, at we've gone through the horrors, uh, just throw off the shackles and became quite a liberal place. But Dublin was unique in that none of it was really bombed apart mm. from a small bit of the North Strand. So it had kind of a boom, uh, liberal attitudes and an intact city. And he was part of that kind of uh, that kind of clique of writers. Brendan Bean, of course, who was his major nemesis, um, uh, just it, it just was a, must have been a real fun time, but he kept his roots in Monaghan from beginning to end. So just a fascinating character. We're kind of slightly obsessed with him. We're going to come back to him in a second. But your your own roots and and you're from a family of six: uh, one brother, two sisters. And this impersonation thing started very young, didn't it? Um, I suppose it did. Um, my mum is from Cork. So there was that kind of clash of accents mm. coming in. And people from Cork now will always tell... They won't ever... Like, if you say they're from Cork, they mean the city. Mm. And outside of that, they'll say... They won't say, I'm just from Cork. They'll say, oh, West Cork, West North Cork. Cork. Yeah. So my mum yeah. is East Cork, the home of horses horses and hurling. And whiskey. Uh, and whiskey. Middleton. Yes, Middleton. Killa would be her... The nearest town to her, although it's even deeper into the country, Inch would be the nearest village then to that. It's kind of half between uh, Killa and Yall, if people mm. know that part of the world. Amazing place. Well, very exotic to us coming down from Monaghan, just because it was a view of the sea. <laughs> you know, Monaghan only has a view from a hill looking into another hill. Yeah. So it's kind of one ragweed looking at another. Um, so there was that kind of clash of accents. We had cousins from Newry. Um, who used to talk about going up in Newry and we'd spend our summers there. Up Derry Bag is a place you go to get your head kicked in. And uh, we'd cousins in London. So I don't know if there was a clash of accents. Now, everybody had access to the same accents I did, but maybe because I was I was the youngest in the family for a long time because my youngest sister was born when I was 11. So I had the advantage of being the kind of young child before mm. I became a middle child. Um, so you tend to kind of maybe sit back and observe a little bit more. And that was the kind of richness, melodies of accents and that probably where it, it did start. But you wouldn't have realised at that age that this was the birth of a, com- a comedian, would you? No, well, I suppose all children are are natural impersonators, you know, impressionists, Mm -hmm. because how do you learn language and where do we get our accents from? You just, you're listening to your environment. You you put a child who's born in Ethiopia and land them into Monaghan just a couple of months and if they spend their lives there, they're going to sound like a a Monaghan person. Yeah. And and the other thing, I mean, people always say that, you know, eventually you become your father or you become your mother, depending on, on which... Yeah, yeah. No, children will tend to mimic the accent their parents have and then because they're kind of the, the you know, they're their peers, they're mm. the kind of people they look up to. But when they become teenagers, if they happen to be living in a different part of the country, 
from where their parents are, they'll start to, their accent will change to whoever they're listening to in school. And know? we've had many Irish footballers over the years who've gone to places like Liverpool and within about two yeah. days they're talking pure yeah. scouts. I mean, look at Roy Keane. You would think Cork is the most impervious possible accent. Like, there's no way anything's going to get through that whole thing. But, like, he sounds like he comes from, you know, the English bit has got into the melody, the way he speaks, you know, totally. And, you know, the, the, even Steve Staunton from Dundalk, he used to be, you know, Dundalk, He'd start you want to be careful now. <laughs> he'd start talking, you know, in that sort of, you know, West Midlands sort of way, you know. God, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? There you go now. I mean, with that. that's Steve Saunton seems further away in my memory than Patrick Kavanagh. <laughs> was Patrick Kavanagh was a footballer, was he? I think so, he was the goalkeeper yeah, for yeah, the scheme, but I yeah. think he had to leave the team when uh, uh, the, the entrance fee went missing. <laughs> he, he <laughs> it, was resting, a, it was resting in his account. Yeah. <laughs> he, he dipped into it to buy, to buy a few woodbines or something for himself. That was the allegation, which of course he denied. And uh, he disappeared famously one time during the match from the goals um, to, buy, to buy himself an ice cream. <laughs> He actually disappeared off the pitch. Disappeared from the goal mouth. Even better, <laughs> worse than anything. Tell because us he was a big lanky sort of fella. And this is a sort of a, a, an image to have of the man. He was all limbs and arms mm. and legs. Going, a very tall man. And people talk about him shambling all his life in that sort of like flail. So he might have looked like a good goalkeeper uh, uh, in the day, you know. But maybe not if the ice cream van was nearby <laughs> or whatever. That probably wasn't a good idea. Tell us about journalism and DCU and, and what attracted you into that, yeah, ri- so, that ridiculous profession. I know, yeah. So I grew up on a farm uh, in Monaghan doing all the things you had to do, milking and just the tedium and just the tooth and claw every day. Uh, even sometimes rushing at the end of a match in Clonus just to get home for the milking. It was just a constant, you know... They're very uh, demanding, those cows, aren't they? Demanding and totally unrewarding. But uh, look, at we had a good old childhood out of it. But there was definitely a thing in my head we just needed to... Uh, like, there was only one route when you're, you're in that kind of farm background, and particularly of our generation. You had to get to college. And it wasn't as if our parents were telling us stay at home and do all the farming. They were pushing us out to get the education. So for some strange reason, I wanted to do journalism and... Um, uh, I know true journalists like yourself would scoff at the idea that you can learn it in college. But, no, it's, it, but it was the, quite, it's it quite was the, the norm nowadays. In those yeah. days, in my day, it wasn't. But that's I'm, I'm even knew, older than you are, Oliver. I knew even in transition year because I did my work experience at the Dundalk Democrat mm. uh, in the old building. Uh, what was that street called? You know, the pedestrian one before. I think it went on fire in the end, didn't it? Yeah, was that uh, typewriter days? Oh, that was it. Yeah, amazing yeah. typewriter. The yeah. t- typewriter, a typewriter that fell off the table. You you were mm. gone. You were a goner. And, uh, I had one thrown at me one day for spelling a word wrong. Is in the in the Democrat? In the Me Chronicle many years oh, ago. In the Me Chronicle, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, sort of thrown at me. Like I remember it now. And maybe you can, your memory clouds it, but it seems to be like a kind of Dickensian, you know, mm. single light bulb on every floor. Full of smoke. <laughs> smoke, smell of oil going. Do you know amazing, Mad Men? You know, you know Mad Men on, on TV with uh, John, yeah. what's his name, the John actor? Hamm. and uh, that's the closest. If you, if you look at the very old madmen when they're in the advertising departments and there's smoke everywhere and they're all going out drinking. That's what journalism used to be like in Ireland. <laughs> some will argue that some I parts know. of it haven't changed that much apart from I the smoking. The end. A bit like that line in Sopranos, I feel like I've come in at the end of, <laughs> of a good thing, you know. Like it was, it was, it was amazing. So that's what, I, that's what I did. I also applied to get work experience in Northern Sound, but mm. they, they turned me down and... Uh, that's the sound of bitterness. I say there's a letter there somewhere. <laughs> Somebody said, look at this letter from this young fellow. Did you write to them or the was it the, did the school do it in your behalf? Oh, or? I think I would have written to them, might have phoned. I think I might have done a phone call follow-up because I remember distinctly being let down on the phone. <laughs> I have the name of the person. <laughs> Don't, please. <laughs> Had you come to LMFM, I'm sure the lads would have looked after you. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, but it's, I don't know why. Yeah, Northern Sound seemed, I suppose. 
which I thought it was a bit daunting. What daunting sort of a student were you in college? Were you a social life student yeah. or a studying? Well, sure, look, you're kind of um, you're free for the first time. So, and actually, the first year I was there, I had to I had one of those strange digs situations. You had to go home on the weekend, mm. but I actually I had to go home on the weekend. And this wasn't a tax incentive now in those no, days. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Nowadays, you get, get a tax break, yeah. and you had to go home on the weekend, and uh, that's when I. I remember those periods working on the farm more than ever because I just didn't like it. And it's winter time and you're just cleaning frozen cow shite off the floor. It's like, it's the worst thing because you're going, literally hours of my life are disappearing and this does not feel like uh, it's doing anything uh, for anyone. So did you feel like you'd escaped so at all? I just had to go. Well, at the weekends, you had to go and earn your... your mm. so there was the 50 quid, that's the deal I had with my father and um, uh, we got out, but that was the last... I suppose by the time I got into second year in college, that was the, that was the end of the farm, and it was very much showing up. And then, of course, you start to love it every time you go because it's freedom from a computer. Mm. That's what happens. Um, but they got rid of the cows at that stage, milking them. Um, still plenty of stock around. But um, uh, so once, all, you, you, once I had left, the, the hard work had ceased. It was kind you, of, don't, you don't yearn for it anymore. Well, I. I uh, uh, speaking of bitterness, I don't get any credit at all from the lads because my brother, older brother and older sister will always say they work the hardest because they're not there. Well, they left mm. and I'm there uh, uh, with my mother and father working away and I got no no credit at all for that. So, Jesus, I oh. must look into that, actually. So that's two bitternesses we've got yeah, out of the way yeah, so yeah. far. And we're, See, and we're, that's, we're that's only the segment. That's Cavanagh's <laughs> effect on back. He's coming back. <laughs> bitterness is important. You're but break. no, I wanted to do journalism and yeah. then I, I was working in INN, which used to supplies mm. the news to all the local stations, including this one, and you'd flick a switch and you were live on all the local stations. It was kind of mad when you think of it. And I still, I used to get nightmares of watching that clock tick five seconds of the hour and going, what if you've got the wrong script or something with you? And um, those were great days. And it was, I, I think it was 19 the first time I, I read my first news bulletin. And it was just uh, the fear and the shock of it kind of just forces you into it. So that was that was kind of a very good experience. And then from there, uh, I went into Today FM and I was a newsreader reporter for a couple of years. And that's when I kind of started working on Gift Grub, Mario Rosenstock's uh, baby on Ian Dempsey's breakfast mm. show. And Ian was really the kind of uh, really good... Um, uh, Sounding board? Yeah, he was kind of the sorcerer of radio. Mm. He just knew, you do this voice, you do that. And he also knew how to handle Mario, who's like a gargantuan new talent at that stage. Who had been is, in Glenrow. Yeah, who had, had been in Glenrow, but like uh, Gift Grub was at the peak of its powers. Mm. This is 2005, six when Roy Keane was, you know, mm. uh, leaving Man United and he started doing Jose Mourinho in the first time. I mean, amazing experience for the likes of me in my 20s. Not really, completely clueless coming up from the country about comedy or any of those kind of things and it was a really uh, a really good learning curve but because we were a generation and almost a planet apart uh, it was never going to turn out to uh, to be a duo so I just had to go and um, uh, through a meanderous route that went through Marty Whelan's ill-fated breakfast show on 2FM I landed on uh, Jerry Ryan who rescued me initially from Radio 1 because I was going to another another show in the afternoon which was a bit of a Bit of the cardigan of radio. Oh, do you know? right, so this was the. He said, "Don't be doing that." This son. was the Aaron Jumper. <laughs> yeah, along come Jerry. Jerry would just come out. He's going, "Don't be going over there. They'll kill you in radio. They won't let you do anything at all." <laughs> come on to my show. Leave it with me. And he was right. We're going to come back to Oliver Callan after this break. The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. 
And you're very welcome back to The Late Lunch. Cahal Dervin and Sinead Brazel with you until 3.30 this afternoon. Our first guest this afternoon is the great Oliver Callan, 086-1800-658. If there's a particular voice you'd like to hear Oliver uh, delve into a little bit later on, we've already had Dundalk via Steve Staunton uh, and no doubt we've had the Roy Keane as well. So plenty of sporting uh, interests. Your own sporting interests. Monaghan football. Uh, uh, Monaghan football is our obsession and our um, great sadness uh, I don't think we've really got over it, actually, to be honest, because it was just so perfectly lined up. We hadn't been in a final since 1930. It was our first All-Ireland semi-final since 1988. So it was it would have been our first final in 88 years. Mm. And uh, 1930, I mean, do you know what I mean? Mm. Oh, 88 was also 30 years yeah. ago, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, and, and those superstitions mean a lot to us. And we do feel, um, like, I don't want to say robbed, but I just feel... Aggrieved. Very much so, yeah, mm. yeah. I, I mean, we should have. I do think. I think most people, man, including the team themselves, believe they were better than Tyrone, but we didn't really recover from that early shock and awe. Four points in four minutes that Mickey Hart had um, created, and they just the lads seemed to be stunned for it. But there's great hope there. I mean, the minor team uh, came close to almost uh, stealing the show from Kerry in that semi-final. Probably gave Kerry the punch they needed to go on and actually. Win, uh, win the finals. Five in a row, yeah. And they're going to cook Kerry in half now at minor age. That's the, that's the, Is that the latest the theory, rumor? Yeah, Every couple of years we Kerry, get that, don't if, we? If you keep winning four in a row or five yeah. in a row, you have to be cutting it's half. It's funny no one ever suggested cutting Kilkenny in half, isn't it? When they were... T- mm, <laughs> it's because they're not big enough. They got to four in a row, didn't they? If, you cut, if you cut in half, there'd be nothing left. I mean, it's like, <laughs> And they cut Mead in half years ago in West Mead and, and Mead. So that, that There's been so many years when Dublin were in the doldrums and they they had money and, and population as well, mm. you know? Bring us back Unless to... Unless you blame Arnott's. <laughs> blame Arnott's, exactly. <laughs> and they sold that big shop, didn't they? They sold that shop for big money <laughs> yes, and that, that's, right, that's what yeah, paid yeah. for Dublin football. <laughs> Bring us back to the newsroom in, in Today FM and, and I'm intrigued yeah. as to how, you know, Mario Rosenstock, as you said, he, he was established. Ian Dempsey was very much a, a, a pillar of Irish radio. Yeah. Were you sort of doing impersonations in the kitchen and at break yeah. time? or how, how did they come across your voice for I this? suppose in and around the newsroom, it's, um, uh, when did I go in there? 2003, 2004. So it's a real Bertie boom mm. type period. And uh, you'd be kind of looking around for characters that uh, nobody else was doing. And Enda Kenny was the new leader of Fine Gael when they had really collapsed. And I think they were down to, was it down to 30 TDs or something at that stage after Michael Noonan mm. had um, almost cleaned out the whole party. And uh, I was just looking, this guy is hilarious. He's just a complete wooden puppet. And nobody seems to... And, and my early impression of Enda Kinney probably sounded like slightly constipated men from the Wished of Ireland because he his first speech, if you remember, was, I'm going to electrify the party. And everyone fell around the floor laughing because it was going, you know, was, this guy is like something out of a Merchant Ivory film. He couldn't mm. muster any emotion to save his life. And lo and behold, that, that turned out to be a great investment in terms of a voice because uh, because of what, what happened afterwards. And was it that Mario wasn't able to do this? With his I don't tone think he was, was terribly he interested. Or? He wasn't terribly interested in politics because, you know, his mm. thing on Gift Probe was very sports driven and uh, he wasn't interested in politics whereas I'm in the newsroom and meeting these fellas on the street getting, uh, you know, sound bites from them on the doorstep and I would come back and say, oh, and he was doing this and people would fall around. And eventually, you know, Ian Dempsey kind of said, you know, put together a mini disc, as it was called, put a few voices together. I think Dave Fanning was one of the ones as well, like she started doing. <laughs> he was kind of a character in there all the time. What's that? Oh, yeah, it's looking at a door and David Bowie album, whatever. Huh? Where am I? Who am I? Who am I talking to? Oh, yeah, Colin, how are you doing? Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> And uh, you never mentioned you, you never mentioned you too on that day, Fanny. <laughs> I'm sorry, yes, sorry. The name drops yeah, you too. too. So yeah, I'm fantastic. And uh, I think Bob Geld was even a character because he was very suited to a music show, and he gave out and he did his moaning Mondays. And um, 
because I'm involved in newsroom, I almost forgot the kind of character we created was Jabba, of course, who was this masterful anchorman and his little collection of reporters who he just uh, had, um, uh, you know, a deep-seated loathing for that he could barely mask, including plastic sheeting down in Cork and Kerry and places like that. So it was kind of a recurring uh, characters for me in Gift Grub, but it was all about finding those characters that... Uh, Mario didn't terribly like, wasn't really interested in, and convincing him that they would be an addition. They had a part to, in the show. Yeah. So yeah. when did you? But it was a bizarre it, a couple of years because I was literally coming in and you know the the, the before the birds even in Today FM recording or doing sketches live on breakfast show, and then going upstairs and doing a full day's work in the newsroom. You know. And did people cop it was you? The odd person I think used to text the Ray Darcy show and say your man sounds a bit like the Pat Kenny we heard on <laughs> Gift Grub earlier. <laughs> Because I think my news reading voice was quite Pat Kenny esque, who was a big star at the time and still uh, languishing around in TV3 slash Virgin Media One, a wonderful television station on a roundabout off the M50. In Ballymouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when did it end the cop? It was you. Uh, well, um, I bizarrely. Uh, I think I'd gone over to Marty Whelan's show at that stage and it was invited by Vincent Brand's radio show to do the Christmas programme and it was upstairs in a, in, I'm not joking, called the Gingerman Pub in Dublin on Fenian Street and uh, Vincent Brand called me over uh, when we were downstairs and the show had finished and everything. Vincent Brand had a radio show on Radio Orty Radio 1 Late before. Yeah, and he was kind 10 of, o'clock, wasn't it? Yeah, and he was kind of canned uh, mm. in the hopes that they would kill off Vincent Brand. But of course, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened mm. to him because TV3 then came knocking. Uh, it reinvented so him. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Enda Kenny was, was there in the corner. And this is, um, you know, he, he is, uh, Bertie is the Taoiseach at the time and Enda is still doing, come on over here now, young fellow. That's the fellow does me. Here, come on. Here's a friend of mine. Do me to him. Come on. What do you have? And he was asked, uh, he offered me a drink and I, I just offered a strange drink because I wanted to hear him say it. So uh, I, I asked for a pint of Guinness with a Guinness head on it. A pint of Smithicks with, with a Guinness, Guinness head. head on it. You know, give this boy, give this boy a pint of Smithicks with a Guinness chap on it. Oh, you're a good fella now. You're a mighty fella. Come on, do me. And then he was saying, here, I can do a voice as well. And here's my, here's my John F. Kennedy impersonation. <coughs> Think not of what you can do. He would proceed to do all these JFK quotes. In thinking, a mail. Thinking he was <laughs> to utterly convinced he sounded exactly like JFK. But uh, it was just in the... JFK, think not of what your country... Think, hang on till I get it right now. Think not of what country music can do for you, but what you can do for country music. Something like that. Another Guinness, another Schmidigs with a Guinness chap on it. You didn't drink the Schmidigs with a Guinness head, did you? <laughs> oh, for God. I, I was in my 20s. I would have drank, <laughs> you didn't drink I would have drank it out of your Wellington boots. <laughs> Oliver Callan is our guest in studio. We're going to be back to talk more politics, maybe even, and Patrick Kavanagh yes. after the news and the weather. The Blackstay Motors Rider, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. Mm-hmm. Hello, good afternoon. It's Joe here. Talk to Joe, talk to Joe. It's just gone for two o'clock. In the afternoon, the ploughing is on. We're excited. We're fantastic, fantastic. Just calling in here, Joe, on the on the Yellow FM late lunch with Joe. Um, any callers, Jerry? Any Carl? Uh, uh, we have um, a Michael D Higgins on. He's mm-hmm. wondering how, how he's doing in the opinion mm-hmm. polls at the moment. Go ahead, line two, line two. Do, go, go ahead, but President Higgins. <coughs> it's a very good phone line, actually. But uh, wait, 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 w
it's a very important time at the moment, Cochl. Um People are making those decisions on who should be the president living in a horizon terrain for the next couple of years. I think a lot of people understand that looking at the field of candidates, there, there's some very distinctive, very, very good, sorry, very good quality, very high calibre. Sorry, I can't. I can't pretend. I think everyone knows at this stage that I'm head and shoulders above the rest of the field. Well, the, 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 the opinion polls would say you're doing very boom, well, boom, Michael. Boom, boom, boom. He didn't get that. But anyway, um, <laughs> yes, I mean, I was, I've always thought about your opinion polls and so on. I was thinking about it the other, the other day, stretched out in the Phoenix Park under the shade of a, of a tulip. And I was, you know, opinion... I should roll on the next seven years for heaven's sake. We have uh, we have a man called Ender from Mayo on the line, and he's wondering. Um, yes, we did that one. Move on. <laughs> he's wondering uh, how. Move Amy, on. How Come on. We would do. We've got other cameras. Well, go ahead. Uh, um, I think it's shambolic, Carl. Um, it's an absolute disgrace. Uh, I think it's a disgrace that MFM are, are taken seriously. Um, they produced uh, that numbskull uh, Gavin uh, Stuffy Duffy. Uh, in his big house in Mead. I mean, anyone can afford a big house in Mead, for God's sake. You know, uh, and, and five was, acres of mould. And he was here uh, before Dragon's yeah, Den. Yeah, uh, it's 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 shambolic uh, at this stage. And uh, it's so, they're so arrogant, they remind me of me. I'm going to bring it back, Oliver, to Patrick Cavanagh, because... Oh, thank God. He, we kind of got lost in the vortex. We did, and, and it, was, it, was, it was an excellent <laughs> vortex to get lost in, and I'm sure we could go back to it again. The... Patrick Kavanagh, where would he sit in Irish society today? That's a really good question. I mean, at the time he died, they said quite emphatically that he was the greatest Irish writer since Yeats, which was quite a statement because that was going back a long time. I think uh, rumour has it they might have been in the same room only once just before Yeats died with Kavanagh was a young man coming into Dublin and uh, in around the lobby of the Abbey Theatre. That's according to Antoinette Quinn's book, which is the kind of go-to place mm. for Paddy Kavanagh. But, um, you know, for, for he, he was on the Leaving Cert syllabus even before he died. Uh, and he was on it pretty much every year up until I think uh, maybe five or six years ago and the new syllabus there's kind of a rotation so he comes up every now and again but the, he he was the first kind of fella to speak to speak of the country but was from the countryside and the great hunger and all this he was a very accessible poet because fellas studying poetry in school you know it was it was wonderful freely as a cloud and you know um uh, owed to a Grecian urn and all these fabulous, you know, John Keats and all these. And there were all landed gentry who kind of were swanning around on easy chairs and chaise longs, dreaming about it and coming up with very uh, highfalutin stuff. Whereas Kavanagh comes along and he talks about pulling on your trousers in a hurry, uh, you know, feels that even a water hen had forsaken, hungry hills, just very dances accessible and stuff. Barns. Yeah, dances and barns, bicycles, you know, a very earthy kind of stuff. And he was just... Uh, anyone who'd spoken about the Irish countryside in those 30s, 40s, 50s and onwards, they were coming from the big house and they were coming to visit it and going, there are the peasants and now aren't I great? I've written about them or painted about them or written ballads about them. Kavanagh came right out from there. When he was a baby, he was put into an onion box and through the roof when he was a child growing up, he could see the stars out through the thatch. Um, you know, he was from he was from that world. So he was just a unique 
powerful voice. And when he came to Dublin, he railed against the establishment and he, he didn't see himself as a country bumpkin, which is the way they tried to keep him. He was someone who was a powerful intellect, who educated himself after he left school at 13. Tell us about Kavanaugh's... comment on, on, tell us about Kavanaugh's on the weekly. modern world. Yeah, tell know? us about Kavanaugh's Weekly yeah. because... It's an incredible story. It's just amazing stuff because it's it's in the 50s. Now, he's quite unlucky because in the 40s, he can't really put out books or, or poems because there's a simply shortage of paper mm. and no one is publishing stuff because of the Second World War. And so in the 50s, it, the, the, the whole press has started roaring again, but they're ignoring Kavanaugh because he's just a bit too mad for them. And he said, he said, I have so much to say and nowhere to say it. Yeah, and he said, because I wasn't ge- a genius... You know, because he was well mm. able to sell himself, I was therefore unemployable. Mm. So what does he do? He decides, like uh, uh, people we know nowadays, bring his message directly to the people. There was no such thing as social media, so the closest thing was to create his own newspaper, Cavanaugh's Weekly, bankrolled by Peter. Uh, I think it's a joke around was, Dublin. Was this is brilliant? <laughs> was, was you know borrowing from Peter to pay Patrick, <laughs> and uh, you know borrowing is kind of uh, it was more like a loose term. <laughs> yeah, it was loose term because the money never came back. Uh, but they managed to put out thirteen. Uh, editions of this this newspaper, which was more really opinion than than journalism, put some um, fabulous writing in it, and editorials railing away. They did it uh, every week f- until towards the end of it. I think it came out in the second uh, in the fortnight. Um, and uh, they had some great competitions. Like you, you had to invent things that we could sell to America. That's right. You yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and but Sat- it's very satirical. Satirical, and, and yeah. they bit away at the government. I mean, it, it's it's incredible. When I, when I read back on it today, the amount of stuff that he was anti. That was seen yeah. in today's society so easily. Yeah, I mean, he was. Uh, he said the money should be taken off RT and uh, used to drain the bogs, reduce. He was just very hung up on the civil service. That was just, uh, and it would have been particularly bad in the fifties. I mean, people in cigar-filled rooms doing absolutely nothing, uh, while you know there were still tenements around the country. So he had really had a massive sense of social justice. Uh, he used his powerful sense of importance really to kind of say things for the greater good. Um, but and, and what's interesting about Cavanaugh's Weekly is it kind of the often forgotten journalism that was in his life because we regard him as a poet mm. and as a novelist with Terry Flynn. But he was churning out journalism all the time. He wrote for the RTV Guide, as it was known before. It was the RT Guide. He was the film critic in the Irish Independent. Um, he said Gone with the Wind was mawkish rubbish. <laughs> uh, but I think he was mostly exercised the amount of money that the novelist had been paid for the rights of the film. And that would really, you know... Irk with him. Really irk mm. with him. Anything that he felt mawkish, silly kind of romantic stuff uh, had no place. It had to have a point, a very sensible point, any kind of art as he would have seen it. But of course, while he's sniping away at the establishment and the Cavanaugh's Weekly fallout is, you know, he gets attacked by the mainstream kind of press. And uh, but at the same t- and, and that leads to a libel case which he John, brings John Costello wasn't it yeah right. well he, John Costello was the senior counsel on the opposing side he's for the defence and uh, Patrick Kavanagh took uh, um, took great umbrage at this profile of him it was written for a very unknown publication and it had a great description of his voice sounded like a load of gravel like coming off the back of a lorry down the side of a hill which kind of was you know his big voice and uh, he decided to sue them. This was a disastrous decision, but yet it ironically made him a household name. He lost a fortune. He got very sick afterwards because he lost the libel case, but he was in the front page of every national newspaper for about a fortnight because the the, the kind of toing and fro arguments between himself and John A. Costello, who later became the Philippines was just hilarious. They were discussing the origin of words like gombean, um other words, Gorrier, I think, was a word that they discussed as well. And, and but of course, the case dramatically fell. On Brendan Behan. He said on the stand, Kavanaugh said, Behan is no friend of mine. He's never been a friend. And on the last day of the trial, of course, 
Costello produces, which came, we believe, from Behan, uh, a book that Cavan had signed to Behan years before when he painted his flat to my friend Patrick uh, on the day he painted... I painted his flat and then he was seen as an un- not a credible witness and that was it. What's happening in the scheme? Well, it's interesting to talk about the, the, the journalism of, of Paddy Kavanagh because uh, Friday week, 28th of September, that's our, our Kavanagh weekend um, and the, the person opening it is Anne Harris, former... Sun Independent. Um, Sun Independent. She has a connection as well uh, to Inneskeen. Um God, if I, if you have the, the leaflet there, I just don't know it offhand, but... Um, there you go. A little biography. What is that again? Uh, it is... So she has a connection, doesn't she? Um, her mother was Anne Monaghan from Ballantra in Eskeen. That's it. I actually didn't think it was that close. Um, Anne Harris herself is from, is from Cork, um, which is a great place, of course. My mum is from Cork. So, we have a <laughs> so we're going to have a chat about poetry and journalism on the Friday night. Anne's going to speak. Um, that's, uh, uh, that, that's, uh, the, the good f- that's the good fun. The main part, I suppose, the kind of business end of it is the Patrick Cavanagh poetry competition uh, and that's been awarded on the Friday night as well at nine o'clock. This all takes place by the way I should say in the Patrick Cavanagh Centre the church uh, St Mary's Church as it was where where Paddy Cavanagh was christened and where his funeral mass Mm. was held it has that kind of unique um, you know homely feel about it and it's being renovated over the next year so this will be the last chance to kind of do it as it stands in that kind of building that's been used as the Patrick Cavanagh Centre for the last 25 years uh, I think or so. On the Saturday then there is the conducted walk Walking tour of Patrick Cavanaugh Literary Trail with Larry McDermott, who's a long-term supporter of the Patrick Cavanaugh Centre and the Inneskeen Development Enterprise Committee, I think is what, what to give it its official thing. The winners of the Poetry Award will be read then. This is on Saturday morning at 9.15. You want to be up early for that. Uh, Katrina Neclerkin uh, is, is a fabulous filioch uh, Irish poet from Emmy Vale. And she's going to be um, talking about... Uh, she's going to be doing her... Because her, she's translated Cavanagh's poems into Irish uh, and she's going to recite um, Memory of My Mother um, uh, at the graveside. Isn't that correct? Yes. Vonnie Banville-Evans is speaking on Saturday as well, the 29th. Uh, that's John Banville's sister and she's a, a novelist in her own right. And then in the evening time, you've got uh, myself, basically, after the Mass. Uh, and I suppose an hour and a half. That's going to be quite uncavernor related. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is thing. Oliver Callan, Callan's cakes and yeah, yeah. And it's been a while since I've done a live show. It's all been uh, particularly up around this part of the world. I think it's been three or four years. And uh, I, I've done one here before, but it's a long, it's we've, a long we've, time. We have had a text saying, "Ask Oliver has he any live comedy shows coming up." So but there you go. I am planning to do it next year, but I have to get myself arranged. I'm probably too late to plan stuff uh, for January, February. But uh, next springtime, I'll be out and about. Yeah, because there's some great theatres in Dundalk and here in Drogheda as well, and the Inta Centre is always is always great. We must look into that. And I should uh, say, Sunday then is also one that will strike a chord of people because Anne Doyle is coming up at uh, half past two in the afternoon there in the Cavanagh Centre to tell us all about her experience of Kavanagh because she grew up in, in rural county Wexford mm. and she had spoken about Kavanagh before so that's going to be really interesting because it's one of those people you don't really automatically associate, associate with poetry and so on that's what's great about both Anne Harris and Anne Doyle and of course lots of women are involved and um, then you've got the schools competition in the afternoon but one thing I'm really looking forward to and I actually haven't done it before is the bus tour which visits all the sites you know Kavanagh's birthplace and the triangular field and all those Drumcatton Church and all and those the kind of places and and on Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning Artag New does that and there's no better man for drama and for you know bringing the poems to life like Arctic New and I feel like a bit of a blow in in the in the Kavanagh Centre because although we're from Inneskeen you know we've watched for decades these people like Rosalind Carney and Art and Larry and Peter Murphy who's all of 90 years of age 
um, you know, keeping Kavanagh's legacy alive, opening a centre and keeping it going. It certainly was no quango, you know, so um, they've managed to do it and, and it's about to reach its pinnacle. After the 50th year of his death, they've got the money in and it's going to be done up for, for another generation and it's just, I feel like a blow-in compared to their efforts. Very unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our time together. But I'm just going to ask you about in a Christmas childhood and, and just explain to us what that meant for you from Enniskane when you were, you're, you're talking about that his father work. plays the melodion outside at a gate and it plays across the, the fields to to Lennon's and Callan's. I mean, we always seized upon it in school and went, uh, oh, that's us, that's us, that's the Callan's because it's, you know, this in it. But people who we really kind of topographical nerds will say, no, no, uh, that was these other, you know, up towards hmm. Drumkay Lane or somewhere like that. I, I don't know where it is. But you look to outsiders, you always say, no, that's us. We stick our, <laughs> stick our name on it. You know, Callans are kind of unique to that part of the world. So we must have been connected at somewhere some stage. Way, if, you, if you did, who do you think you are? So there was Callans, there was uh, Lennons and Cassidy's. You know, and that's the sort of and thing we're is, talking about. This you know, is Callans. Everyone would giggle away uh, when you'd hear Lennon's because we had Lennon's and Callans in, in the school, uh, in, in our classroom the whole way along. And it, it's just having that kind of you know, nationally, globally recognised voice that came from your parish, your place. And although he's speaking in the 30s, he's still speaking to us now. And that's kind of the unique thing. He's an accessible poet. And the Patrick Kavanagh Weekend is not for experts of Patrick Kavanagh. It's it's designed so you come along, you get a taste. It might be a bit of a nostalgic taste. You get a little bit of a reminder and enough to go away and want to learn more about Kavanagh. And that's available to do. And come back to the Kavanagh Centre on a normal day and you'll get the, and enjoy it. the humans of Inneskeen will bring it all home to you. And this is all from the 28th of September to the 30th. Friday week, exactly. In, in yeah. Inneskeen. Oliver Callan, thank you so much for your time and your company today. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed that. And uh, stay away from the Smithics with the Guinness head. Really. That wouldn't be good for the Constitution at all. <laughs> We're going to be back Up after the break. Up the road break. and mind the dresser. The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. And you're welcome back to The Late Lunch. Cahill Dervin and Sinead Brazel with you until 3.30. And Sinead, you can verify this is this is actually me talking now, it's not. It is, yes. yes. yes Oliver not. and all his friends have left They've the building, left the sadly. Building. Sadly, yeah, because I a, really enjoyed them, you know, but a, they are gone. There's a very large coach outside taking all of those personalities. <laughs> yeah. um, God help the uh, psychiatrist or psychologist has to deal with that one. But anyway, we'll come to that another day, I'm sure. Our next guest, I'm delighted to say, is joining us in studio. Gary Howey, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Cattle. Now, you're from Dundalk originally? I am, I'm a Dundalk man. Dundalk, born and bred. Born and bred. But you're very unique because you're a Dundalk man playing football for Bohemians Football Club. Explain, sorry, I'll tell, tell the listeners why. You're going to the World Cup in Mexico with the Irish amputee team on the 23rd of October, you were saying we, to me? We fly out on the 23rd of October. So we and go. you're going to be based in Guadalajara and you're going to play against Mexico, England and Uruguay. That's correct. We've been grou- drawn so, in group, group A with So them. you are the boys in green. We are the boys in green. Now so tell us, are. your own background first of all, you've been a footballer all your life. I've always played football uh, since I was a young age. Played football with Rock Celtic, so I did progress on. Played summer league, played winter league. Uh, Any time I could get a chance, I'd go out and kick a ball. Mm. Just love playing football. Something happened to you in two thousand and nine that made a, a profound yeah, difference to your life, didn't it? Profound and a type of a freak accident. Mm. Went into work nine o'clock in the morning, half nine. Something fell off a forklift, fell onto my foot and crushed my foot. And when you went to the hospital initially, Gary, what, what were they saying? What was the prognosis? Uh, the prognosis was it was a very bad injury. All the metatarsals were all shattered and the whole lot. I was told the next morning there was a possibility I could lose my foot. But 
that never happened. It was never talked about anymore and until two weeks later down the line that I was told I was going to have to lose the leg. There just wasn't enough blood. There was, uh, gangrene had set in. Circulation was cut off. Mm. So, so I lost the uh, right leg just below the knee. What's that like to be told this is going to happen? It's not easy. Like, you don't go to a good place. So it's, it's kind of like a debt because it's part of you mm. that have, you've lost. So it is, you're not going to get it back. Like, we're not like a lizard. Your leg's not going to mm. grow back. So it is. So I know if a lot of stuff goes through your head. How are you going to deal with things? How are you ever going to walk again? You had two very young children at the time, hadn't you? I had, like we, uh, David was nine at the time and then we had a nine-month-old baby. So like, how was I going to carry her? Mm. I couldn't. So, so you have to kind of adapt and you rely an awful lot on your family and friends to come along and support you, which I got. I got great support. So I did, and only for them. Mm. Like, it helped get me through it. Football, I mean, I was reading and you were saying to us that, you know, even the night before the accident, you'd been playing five-a-side. Correct, yes. Played uh, five-a-side in, it was JJB Sports at the time, now mm. DKIT Sports. Played there with lads that I palled around with. Uh, just a five-a-side game. So it was exciting stuff. So it was that was grand when on home. And little did you know. Little did I know, like t- less than 12 hours later. At what point did you start to sort of think about football again? And- well, I was interested, had to do something. Because, like, I was always an active person. And, like, after the accident, I put on a serious amount of weight. Mm. I went up to 15 stone and just had to do something to shift it. So I tried out different things, tried cycling, tr- tried rowing wasn't for me because football was where mm. I wanted to be. So through Google search, found out that football amputee football was being set up, found that it was set up in 2011 with the FAI and uh, Simon Baker at the time. So I was keeping an eye out for that, but I kept having setbacks from the amputation and had to wait until I was physically right before I could get involved. And lo and behold, in 2012, I met up with the lads and started to play. And this is three years after the accident? Three years, three, four years after the accident it was, yeah. How important was that psychologically for you as much as anything else? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It give you... I can do this. Hmm. I can play football again. Like... You might have a disability, but I still have ability to play football. 
So we don't like to use the word disability mm-hmm. because it's not a disability sport. It's sport with a different type of ability. So it is, you take your leg off, you play on crutches. So it is. And what's, what's, the, what's the greatest satisfaction you get from it now? Greatest satisfaction, it's like any sport when you win a game, mm. when you keep a clean sheet. So it is when you score a goal, the camaraderie between your friends, your teammates. So it is that, yes, I have done this. So it is, it's like, it's just a, it's a self-achievement. And, you know, on, on, on that day in 2009, when, when they told you the, how bad things were, could you have foreseen then that you were going to go to a World Cup with an Irish international football team? No, like I always joke, like, I played football all the time. Uh, I wasn't good enough for my country with two legs. <laughs> and, and now that I have one leg, I'm, I've 33 international caps. Yeah. So I have wished to possibly of an awful lot more. And that must be great to go home with them and, and it, show the kids and the family. It, and it's great to go home with them. And like, you always wanted to be the best you could at football. Mm. You always dreamed of being a professional footballer. So you could. So now I, I'm representing my country where an awful lot of people won't. Who was your team when you were a kid? Liverpool. Still are. Still are. So you'll be glued to the television tonight for uh, the Champions League and PSG. I'm actually training tonight with Bohemians. Ah. So like, you, you have to give up a certain amount of your personal time then as well to dedicate yourself to the sport. Even the, you even the Liverpool time? Even the Liverpool time. Now tell us about the family because I'm sure they've been huge, as you said. They've been, they have, they've, they've, they've been super. Like my wife Joanne, so she has like, she's done everything for me, mm. allows me to... She does stuff at home that I can go out and train. I can train four nights, five nights a week. I don't have to worry about stuff that's been done at home that maybe I should be doing. So, big thanks to her. David at the time was nine. He's now 19. He's off uh, second year in college. When I was actually on crutches, he was like me hands because I couldn't mm. carry anything. So, he was a good help too. And then Katie, she doesn't know any difference. Mm. I'm just daddy without a leg. And does David play football? No, David doesn't play football. Never played? He played it a bit when he was younger. So yeah. he did. And then I think he kind of fell away from it because I was after having the accident and mm. I was getting involved in yeah. with it. And yeah. Things just didn't work out for him with football. So now tell us about this Irish team because you know you, you were with Damien Duff a couple of weeks ago. I was launch. I was with Damien Duff there a couple of weeks ago for the launch of the Fives Cup. Now the Fives Cup is actually going to be played in Oriel Park uh, on Saturday the twenty second at two o'clock, and it's going to be played between Bohemians, Cork Celtic, and Shamrock Rovers. We're going to play a round robin cup, so we are each team is going to play each other twice, and the two top teams will play off in the final and the, the, the winners will come away with the Fives trophy, which is a hell of a trophy. And of the 13-man squad that will go to Mexico for the World Cup, are all those players going to be involved? All them players will all be involved the weekend. There's other players there that, that didn't make it. Mm. So like, what we're trying to do is, by bringing the Cup to different places, is or bringing amputee football to different places, is to develop the awareness of amputee football. Mm-hmm. The more people that get to know about amputee football, the bigger our pool of population will grow from it so the better the team will get. So anyone that's out there who's maybe missing an arm, missing a leg, come along, have a look. See it. Mm. Because when you see it, you'll, you'll, you'll be interested in it. And you'll see how much you can be a part of it that's, as well. That's, that's it, that's right. Because it is a very interesting game, amputee football. It's fast, it's physical, it's skillful. So it is, like, you run around the football pitch on crutches, playing football. So it is. So you have to have good balance, good strength, so it is, you're controlling the ball with the inside of the only one foot you have. Mm. And like, it's a must-see. So you're a better player now than you were? Yes, I am actually. <laughs> because your understanding of the game is different. Because with with the FEI being involved with the Football for All programme, you're given top-class coaches. Mm. So when you're being coached by some of the best co- coaches, of course your knowledge of the game is going to increase. 
So it is. Then you have the physical side of things where you're training more regular. So it is the more you train, the more you get out of it. So it is if you train regular and push yourself hard, come game time, it's second nature to you. So there's quite a commitment. There's a quite a, f- a commitment in it. Well, listen, stay with us because we're going to come back to you and talk about the actual World Cup. And I also want to ask you a little bit about your own job as well after this break. The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. And you're very welcome back to The Late Lunch with Cahill Dervin and Sinead Brazel with you until 3.30. We have in studio Gary Howey, who from Dundalk, who's heading off to the World Cup, the World Amputee Cup in Mexico with the Ireland team on the 23rd of October. Mexico, England and Uruguay will provide the group opposition for Ireland. Gary, you were at the European Championships last year in Turkey and that was an incredible experience, wasn't it? It was a great experience. Like We played Russia, we played England, so we did. We played Greece uh, in great great venues mm. so it was we were looked after great by the by uh, the people in Turkey so it was uh, we qualified by coming sixth for this year's World Cup which is which is another great thing to say that we've come sixth out of the 12 countries that was in it and it was the final believe it or not 40,000 people came out to watch the final you were saying they had to shut the stadium they had to shut the stadium because there wasn't enough security mm. the final was between Russia and England where Russia oh, no, no, Turkey uh, Turkey, Turkey mm. sorry between Turkey and England and Turkey actually beat England 2-1 so it was and it was a great place, game of, place, place was hopping <laughs> so it was and it was great to see it mm. so it, was, it's, it brought amputee football to the stage where it should be mm. now for you to go to Mexico I mean this, this costs money it just doesn't happen overnight no it doesn't happen overnight and like a lot of people would be asking the questions oh sure you're with the FAI why don't they pay for it mm. but we do we do get funding from the FAI but it's not enough because the FAI have so many programs that they have to support. support and we only get a small amount of that support so the rest is left down to us as players to find the money so it is so we've all done different things there was different bucket collections there's been a, a goalkeeper that actually got his legs waxed so he did how did that work for him they were quite smooth so I'm told <laughs> <laughs> but he, he raised what he had to raise yeah. like we were all given a target of raising 1500 mm. so it was we've got the money there but we're, we're thinking now we're going to need money for next year mm. to roll over for next year to, to get the league because we had our first ever Irish league set up and that was this season that was this season where Cork beat us so they mm. did in the last game of the season to win the, win the league so they did uh, but Funding is a hard thing, mm. so it is. But when you have good people out there, companies that's coming on board that will back you, like the Fives Cup this weekend, they're great. Mm. So it is, the and that's f- part of their 130th celebration. That's it. It's, it's a big, big celebration mm. for them. So it is. But they're, they're and, big, and they've they've been huge supporters of Dundalk Football Club over the years as well. I mean, it's not it's not just it's not just you guys. It's Dundalk Football Club. They've put money where their mouth is. They have indeed, like mm. you know, and like why not amputee football? Like it's going to be played in Oriel Park on Saturday. People should come down and watch it. Like if you watch it, you see it, and people will go, "Wow, look at that!" Mm. We don't want people saying, "Ah, oh, look at isn't he great? He's got one leg." No, we want people to say, "That fella's got skill. Look at the speed of him." There it is. And you might score a goal or two. I might score a goal or two. Now, there's two local lads on, on this as well, Christy McGilligot and James Conroy. Christy from Dunshockland, um, ex-League of Ireland player with St. Pat's, and James, the goalkeeper from Lavin. And, and I'm very certain I spoke to yourself and, and James last year before you went to the Europeans you did, you on, t- this, on this programme. James did a few different things for his fundraising, didn't he? James did. James has 
hashtag 16 penalties one goal mm. and the idea of it is he's got local celebrities different football players uh, even rugby players to come along and take a penalty seeking your score against the Irish amputee goalkeeper now the Irish amputee goalkeeper or an amputee goalkeeper has to be missing an arm so the idea is score a goal against him and he has a GoFundMe page and make donations through that way you should go and watch it he's making great videos on it mm. so it is, if anyone's out there have a look and see how did Damien Duff do against James? Damien was the seven penalty I think it was and he scored he scored he scored the lead so James is going to have to get that one back he's going to have to get that one back <laughs> now I think he has saved a couple already so keep an eye yeah. out for it he wasn't the guy who shaved his legs was he? no no that no. was Justin from Lisbon <laughs> so we can't we can't get on to James about that one. No, you though. can't get on to James about that. Christy, a lot of people will know Christy McGilligan and, and Christy's a great character and, and he was involved with St. Pat's for years and you tell me now he's playing for Shamrock Rovers. I'm sure a few St. Pat's fans are saying, what are you doing, Christy? No, Christy's a great lad, so he has great football knowledge. So he's do anything for football. And it's great that he is working with the FAI in the Football for All programme because he gets to promote a sport mm. that he loves. Like he was probably similar to myself, always playing football. He was actually on his way to play football when he lost mm. his leg. So it's back back to what he knows, mm. football. And when he was on Operation Transformation, that must have done a huge amount of good for, for your sport. It's done a huge amount of good for our sport and for him because like, he's actually back now as a player. Mm. He's on the squad to go and play in the World Cup. So it is so to have him round with his knowledge on the field and off the field it's fantastic and he's a lovely guy as well isn't he, he is he, yeah. he'd do anything for you he's a sort of an inspirational character I've always felt that about Christy that he's somebody that you would actually get up and follow him into the trenches you would if Christy asked you to go in for a ball you'd go in for a ball mm. you know is? if he asked you to do something you'll do it seven aside your game full international rules are seven aside so they are so you have six outfield players all missing a leg and then the goalkeeper is missing an arm so it is our league that we're running and the games at the minute are five aside so it's four outfield players and then the goalkeeper and is it roll on roll off or how do you substitutions are roll on roll off you would love and you're from Dundalk tell us how you ended up playing with Bohemians Uh, because I'm the only one in the area so I am like there has to be more than one person in County Loud in Monaghan in Mead missing a leg so they have to be out there if we can find them we can grow this sport even Mm. more Currently, as I said, we have three teams in the League of Ireland. If we can get more more players, we can increase that. And then by increasing that, then we develop the sport even more. We can go and compete even better in World, World Cups, in Euros. And I'm sure yourself and James and Chrissy would love to see a local-based team that you can help, you can then personally help to grow the sport in this northeast region. That's it. Like Christy's been about for so long. I've been about this last five, six years. James is the same. Like we'd all love to grow the sport, and we we'll do what we can mm. to grow amputee football. So it is. So if we can get more players and develop it locally, we we'll do it. And ladies football as well. Ladies football. Like we actually have a ladies playing on our our. Bohemians team uh, Mandy King she's the only uh, female player in Ireland currently at the minute and wouldn't it be great because the sport is open to both male and female It's also fairly ageless isn't it? Yes Because Because there's a certain Berta you're about to celebrate in the middle of Mexico during the World Cup Tell us about that one Uh, I'm going to turn 40 so I am (laughs) when I'm over in Mexico but as you say it is ageless you have to be 16 to play senior senior. Mm. so we have a player of 18 coming with us to uh, the World Cup and someone the age of just over 50. So you're not the oldest? I'm not the oldest, no. <laughs> so. What are the lads, have, have, do they know you're going to be 40 during the World Cup? Has anyone let that secret out yet? I think they do, no, they yes. Do, so yes, they do get a bit of slagging, so yeah. I do about it. 
What would it mean to I mean you, you played England last year in the European Championships and you, you've not beaten them yet? No, yet. yes, we haven't beaten them yet, but there will come a day where we will beat them. Mm. So it is like we've come close. It's the last two times that we played them, it's been one nil to England. We've hit the post. So, like, you know, it's we're knocking on the door. You're nearly there. We are going to beat them. It's just a matter of when, and maybe it will be the World Cup. And as I'm sure you know, and, and we've seen this so many times in, in the recent past, including with the Hockey World Cup with the ladies' team over in London that time, any team that beats England, it doesn't matter what the game is, what the sport is, you become a national hero straight away. I'm sure everybody remembers Ray Houghton. Yeah. So he put the ball in the English net. So Gary Howie could be the man to put the ball in the England net. I don't mind who you puts it in as long as it's someone on our team. <laughs> Tell us about your own employers now. You're with McKeown Auto Services. I'm with McKeown Auto Services on the Coes Road who we were mechanical, mechanical, we repair any make of cars so we will. So I'm there as a service receptionist. So I do, I look after booking the work in, getting the parts for the customers and Relaying the details. So you're you're the face of the business. I'm the face of the business. You're also, I believe, in line for an award. Yes. Little Birdie tells me. I was nominated for Employee of the Year by McEwen Auto Services, which was great. But it's Sean that owns the company. And Sean's been great to me because he's allowed me to go out and promote amputee football. Allowed me time to go and train to to do what I can for Mm. amputee football. So I do all I can for him, for his business. And in return, he's nominated you for Employee of the Year. Yes, which I didn't know anything about on, until a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So it's 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 been great to get recognised for what you do. And have you got that award already? or is that, is that, No, it's, on going the way? it's going to be on, on October, the 20th of October. And so just I'm before up you against, go? Just before I go. And there's four other, or three other people up for it mm. as well. So it depends. So that'd be a nice little send-off for Mexico, it would, wouldn't it? It'd be a nice little send-off as well. How right. long are you gone for? We are going on the 23rd of October and we won't fly back until I think the 5th or 6th of November. So it's a, it's a, it's a good two weeks. It's a good two weeks away but it, people think, oh great, you're going to Mexico but it, it's not. We're going there to play football. Mm. It doesn't matter whether you're going to England or whether you're going to Spain. You're going to play football. You're going to represent your country. So you do what you have to do. You'll be in bed early. You'll rest yourself. You'll train, you'll eat when you're told to eat, you'll train when you're told to train. Fail it's to not a holiday. Fail to prepare and prepare to fail, was not the right, saying yes. all those years ago. Your own expectations for this tournament? Well, we reckon we will get out of the group. And once you get out of the group stages, it's knockout football. Mm. Anything can happen then. Like, look at the women's um, hockey team. They got to the final. Why can't we? You have to aim high. And of course, Mexico, you wouldn't have played them before. No, we've never played Mexico before. We've never played Uruguay before. So it's the unknown. Mm. But you can, there's YouTube footage of an awful lot of, of amputee football on YouTube. So we can do our you research. You'd be well prepared. Yes. And if people would like to get involved, I mean, there is a Facebook page, isn't there? There is a Facebook page, Irish Amputee Football. But I'd also say if people are interested in it, come down to Oriel Park on Saturday. Mm. Come down and watch the Fives Amputee Cup. Mm-hmm. Because it will be great to see. People should come out and see it. And if there's somebody listening who's who's maybe thinking, you know, I didn't think there was something there for me, this could be the sport for them. This could be the sport, but you never know. Like, maybe you know somebody. Mm. Let them know. Mm. So it is. Just, you don't know what's around the corner. And make contact via the FAI. Make contact through our own uh, Facebook page, mm-hmm. our own website. So it is Irish Amputee Football. Mm-hmm. So it is. And we link in, link in with them that way. Do you get much slagging around Dundalk for wearing the Bohemians jersey? I do a bit, yes. <laughs> no, it is. It doesn't feel... Uh, it's great to, to wear a League of Ireland jersey. Mm. So it is. So, like, I have to wear Bohemians. I love playing for them. So it is. But I would love to be 
Well, Turlock O'Connor had a, a big Bohemians connection and he didn't do too badly for Dundalk either, did he? I don't All think those so. Years no. Ago. no, I think, I think Turlock, they'd be very happy that Turlock was a Bowes man who was involved with Dundalk and you're a Dundalk man who's involved with Bowes. So if anyone says anything, say, I'm only doing what Turlock did in reverse. <laughs> Gary, we have to wish you the very best of luck in, in the World Cup with Ireland heading off to Mexico to play Mexico, England and Uruguay. It's an inspirational story, so congratulations to you on that. Thanks very much. The best of luck with the Employee of the Month Award. Or the Employee of the Year. Employee of the about, Year, yes. Yeah, so, fingers crossed for you on that one. And uh, if anyone's around, Oriel Park, this Saturday. This Saturday, two o'clock. Two o'clock. Come down and have a look. Come down and have a look. Gary Hoey, thank you so much for your time. We're going to be back after this. The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. And you're welcome back to The Late Lunch, 086-1800-658. As always, our text number and our WhatsApp number. We're on Twitter at LMFM Radio and we're also across Facebook and Instagram. Our next guest is Oliver Usher, auctioneer from Usher Auction Rooms in Kells. Good afternoon to you, Oliver. Good afternoon, Cos. You have a very interesting auction at 5pm today, Oliver. Tell us a little bit about the the, the contents. it's getting near the time now for the auction and even after 40 years of doing auctions I still get a bit nervous and nervous before the auction. A man of your experience. Yeah, believe it or not. I'm sure you're the same when you go on the radio and uh, as well. You know, you have your few minutes uh, before uh, not, the auction. Not, not when I'm talking to someone like you, Oliver. That You make it so okay, easy. Right. <laughs> Tell us what's going up today. Uh, well, we have clearances from uh, local one, Screen Castle, the late Mrs. Hickey, uh, who died in 1999 and uh, she um, her stuff was stored by her son for years and uh, several boxes of pictures and uh, historical archaeological interest uh, came in from from her house she was a great woman she was uh, you know into the historical and archaeological and um, in fact, there was uh, somebody with me there a few minutes ago, and she said, where are the prison doors from the jail in Navan? And uh, she was wondering where they went, because there was her house for years, uh, in the stored in the castle, uh, with a view to having a museum. She was passionate about having a museum for County Meath, and uh, so far, nothing has happened in that regard. So you, you don't have the prison doors today? So somebody is looking for them. So if they're out there anywhere, uh, they, they, they belong to the uh, county, you know. That was in Navan, uh, where I think the TSB bank uh, was, you know. Oh, yeah. That was the prison in Navan at the time. Well, well so Elizabeth Hickey, she, she was a very well-respected historian, wasn't she? Yeah, she sure was, yeah. She championed the cause of Kilcarn Bridge there as well, the old medieval bridge mm. at Kilcarn. And uh, as I say, she wanted a museum as well. Wrote many books. Uh, one in particular comes to mind, uh, was illustrated by the great Nano Reed, the artist. And uh, that one was called I Send My Love Along the Boyne. And how did she happen upon Screen Castle, Oliver? It uh, belonged to a family. She had it leased for many, many years. And uh, she lived there with her family. And uh, again, the lady who was with me there today said that every Christmas she hosted a party for a lot of local children. And uh, it was a great place to go, you know, upstairs and backstairs and turrets and 
all the various uh, events you'd find for children in a castle. And it was quite an interesting story how she actually happened upon it one Saturday afternoon with the auctioneer. Uh, they looked for the keys of the front door, but they didn't have them because the actual front door was massive and the key itself was two pounds in weight. <laughs> Did you know that? I didn't know about oh, that one. Oh, there's, there's lots of stories there. There's another little story that I had uh, about 40 years ago. The first uh, beehive I got, I got from Mrs. Hickey. I drove up in my van to the place there, to the castle, and um, we proceeded to load it, but we had no um, protective gear at all. She handed me a piece of lace curtain <laughs> to wrap around me head, you know, but I duly got stung. I was going to say, that, you know. that wasn't going to be much use to you. <laughs> no, but it, it was, she was She was a terrific person, though. It's quite a character by the sounds of it. A character, is right. What's the other of, place we have uh, coming, uh, we have um, clearance from Purcells over near Mullingar. It was a period family house and farm which sold, and uh, there's a lot of interesting um Country furniture in that, I suppose, would be a way to put it, you know, so useful furniture. Is business good at the moment, Oliver, with the, with the Celtic Tiger coming well, back into is, blue? This is the time of the year now, coming between now and Christmas always. The autumn time, the, the sales uh, are always much better at this time of the year. And you're going to be busy today from five o'clock, isn't it? Oh, we're busy. Yeah, there's, I, don't, I don't believe I've ever had such a busy uh, viewing as this one. You know, the, lots of pre-auction bids on it and uh, lots of interest and stories. And there's a group there of books of Seamus Heaney, eight of them there. And um, they're really lovely as well, you know, make it a lovely collection. Well, Oliver, we wish you the very best of luck. And the hammer goes down, I believe, at 5pm today. That's right, OK. In Usher's auction room in Kells. We thank you for your time, Oliver. Thank you very much, Carl, thank you. for your time. Sinead, Seamus Heaney books, what do you think? Oh, yes, I would. I definitely would buy them. And I mean, like, I'd say they're in much more valuable now, aren't they, as well, Absolutely. with his passing it's and everything. And I love Seamus Heaney. We're, we're talking about poetry all day again. Patrick yeah, I, I liked Patrick Cavanagh. I liked Seamus Heaney as well, very much so. I, I always, that, that, sto- that poem about him... Uh, you know, recalling a death. I think it was one of his, was it his mother or his father's death or something? And he's sitting in the college sick bay and all that. That totally brings me back to, uh, to secondary school learning all that sort of stuff. And it's a bit like the uh, music business. Uh, when you die, it all goes up in value. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the music business. Yes. This is actually a local band. County Meads, your neck of the woods. I like it already. Named after a lunch item. Sure. It's perfect for the late, the late ham lunch. sandwich. Here they are. This is The Late Lunch and you're welcome back to the programme. We're going to stay with a sporting topic of such because Karina Chute joins us on the line. Karina is the PRO of the Glen Emmett's Gaelic Football Club there in Tully Allen. Karina, a good news story and a good news story involving your defibrillator at the weekend. It is, Carl. Um, we had a, a, there was a man working on a local farm in the village who had a cardiac episode last Saturday and um, a colleague of his went to get our defibrillator at the club and thankfully the man is, is doing well and um, I suppose for us, it also just highlighted the importance of these machines being outdoors and accessible. Um, we've had a defibrillator in the club for seven or eight years, and it's always been locked in the club rooms. You know, it, it's accessible when there's a game on or there's training on. But we um, we now we moved it outside recently, and uh, now we're, we we got to use it on Saturday, and and, and um, it's a great story. It just shows you how how important it is that it was visible, doesn't it, Karina? It is, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it has to be kept outside um, in a heated cabinet and the temperature needs to be regulated. So uh, we had to put it in, in a position out of direct sunlight. So we, we chose the north side of the club room, which faces the car park, and we put uh, signs around the grounds just to highlight its location, you know. And this, um, was, this was funded by the, the 5K back in April? Yeah, we do a Kite to 5K programme every, every uh, year and it, there's a, a family fun run, which has become a great day for the village and we decided that it would be appropriate to designate the funds from this to go to uh, the Cabinet. So yeah. they're, about, they're about 500 euros, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a large enough sum and then every time it's used, the pads have to be replaced and I think they're 100 and something euro each, you know, so, so to maintain it and keep it there, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cost to it and it's, it's great that we have it in place now and it's, it's it's great that it was there when it was needed. And of course, as well, with leaving it outside, you have to make sure that it's, it's uh, vandal-proof, unfortunately, in this day and age. Exactly. The, the, these cabinets are normally coded and uh, to protect them from vandalism. And you, you ring a number and you get a code to gain access. But we felt that if someone needed it and the battery on their phone was dead, it wasn't worth the risk. So ours is open with there's anti-tamper seals on it. So we know if anyone has been at it. And thankfully, it, it was available on Saturday, you know. And- and clearly as well, Karina, people people know within the area that this is available at the club now. So there's been a great uh, accessibility to it, hasn't there? There has. We, we have a great community here. The, the Parents Association in the school held a, a sponsored walk a number of years ago to raise money for a defibrillator in the school. And more recently, the community got together again and raised money for another defibrillator, which is on the other side of the village, down beside the pharmacy. So um, we have three now, and hopefully we won't get to use them very often. And we have the, the Tully Allen Red Cross uh, are great. They're, they're, several of, their, of them are members of our club and um, they have been giving the training to um, to members of the community in using defibrillators, you know. And thankfully, as you can see from Saturday's story, this is an important uh, facility to have available. It's so, it's so important to have it available. It's so important to have it outside and it's so important that everyone knows where it is. There was also a, a good story because your, your own health and well-being officer, Trish Riley, was there and her husband, Alan, was, was nearby as well. Yeah. That's Trish O'Reilly. O'Reilly, apologies. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah um, Alan is, is an EMT and um, he was on hand and, and was able to go down and, and assist with, with the incident, you know. So all's well that ends well. All's well that ends well. And while I have in Hoho, today is our, lotto, is our lotto day when we do our lotto draw and it's our main source of income. So if anyone wants to play, they can play before 8 o'clock tonight online or at Centra in Tully Allen. And our well, jackpot is 2,500. We're quite happy, we're quite happy, Karina, to give you that vehicle to come <laughs> the lottery this evening because, as I'm sure that man's family and the man himself will be so grateful to everybody involved with the Glen Emmets for, for that decision to move the defibrillator outside. And we're glad to hear that all is well. And uh, as we say, all's well that ends well. So congratulations to everybody involved with Glen Emmets for that initiative. Sinead, that's a good news story. It is. It is indeed. And actually, if you go on to LMFM's Twitter, you can check out there. There's a picture I've just retweeted the Glen Emmett's uh, t- uh a picture that they put up about where the defibrillator is actually located. It's just in the yellow box there on the side of the building. Big arrow actually pointing in the image. So if people want to log on to LMFM's or the Glen Emmett's Twitter, they can find that picture there. But it does show you how important these things are. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also the fact that people were 
of present of mind enough to know that that's where it was and that it could yeah it could this be is the, this, this is gentleman. it and I mean like you know you go to the, the the hassle and the work and everything to raise money for this life saving equipment so you know it's really important to know in your area where it actually is and how to how to actually use it you know so fair play to them so well done to everybody involved with that story and we congratulate them on that now as you know Sinead LMFM have teamed up this week with the Village Hotel in Betty Sound so that one lucky couple will win their dream wedding worth fifteen thousand euros Sinead. 15,000 euros. Like, we should really say that with a bit more gusto. What do you think of? 15,000 euros. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I love it. And yeah. some, some of the amazing suppliers <laughs> who are included in this fabulous prize are Southgate Florist, Custom Cakes, Adele Chute for the wedding dress, McKenna Man for the wedding suits, AKP Chauffeur Drive for the car, Curly Cuts for the bridal hair party, or bridal party hair even, Sinead Faulkner for the makeup, Pause Time Photography for the all-important wedding photography and DVD, Bernard English for the rings, Men in Black will be the band, and DJ will be the wonderful Dave Newman. Quite the package. Quite the package. Literally from the rings to the reception, it's completely covered uh, for you. So all you have to do is simply head over to lmfm.ie, fill in our form there, tell us why you deserve to win the wedding. If it's yourself, if it's somebody in your family, if it's a friend that you feel deserves it, an acquaintance, a neighbour, whoever it is, tell us why they should get the prize. And we will see then, I think I think it's the 6th of October is the actual day that we're going to give the wedding away. So there's a lot of a lot of time left if you want to get your entries in and uh, we will Entries will close it, yeah. on the 2nd of October. So all you got to do yes, is lmfm.ie. Yeah. 15,000 euros, Sinead. 15,000 euro, come on. For the wedding at yeah. the Village Hotel. We're <laughs> going to be back after this. Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. And you're welcome back to The Late Lunch with Cahill Dervin of the Irish Sun and Sinead Brazel. Now, if you were listening to the programme yesterday, you'll have heard us talking to Drogheda Chamber about their M1 Leadership and Skills Summit, which is on tomorrow, uh, sorry, Thursday even, in the Somerville Suite at the City North Hotel. And one of the things that we were talking to the good ladies from the Chamber about was how they are preparing for the future of employment in the area and how they want to get employers and employees educated towards what will be needed going forward. Another group with this very much on their mind is the Sir Optimists of and I welcome to the studio Carmel Smith, who's their president. Good afternoon to you, Carmel. Good afternoon, Carl. You're very welcome back. I know you've been here with Jerry many times in and the past. I'm actually not president at the moment. Oh, sorry. I, I, my, my term has run out. Your term has run out. So, uh, so you're and, a past uh, president. I'm a, a immediate past president. Immediate past yeah, president. Yeah, well, apologies to you for that. What is a seroptimist? Um, a seroptimist is a woman, a member of an international organisation that was started in 1923 in California. Uh, when she was invited to join an organisation um, who are our buddies here in town, actually. But in those days, they were embarrassed when they realised that this woman who was in senior management wasn't a man and they didn't take women. Do we, so do we name said, this little buddy? Um, they're a very good body. Our oh. friends, the Rotarians. OK. <laughs> so uh, she said, and well... Who, who was this lady? Um, oh, I can't remember. Okay, no, no, that's no, okay. Sorry about that. Uh, she said, well, I'll start a women's organisation. Now, it's got a different um, mission, slightly different mission to Rotary, insofar as our mission is to advance the status of women and girls and uh, work for human rights for mm. all. And that's the mission. 
and we have local projects, we have national projects and we have international projects going on all the time. So this all goes back to the West Coast of America many, many years ago. Yeah, almost 100 years ago. And you have a wonderful history in Drogheda, haven't you? Yes, we're in our 61st year. I was in with you in January, uh, just before we had our 60th Mm. anniversary of the Charter in Drogheda. And we've done great work in Drogheda over the years. Very quietly, most people never heard of us because those ladies at that time did it all very quietly. Under the radar. Under the radar. And there was plenty of work to be done in those days. Now you have to really look and find where the needs are. Mm. And of course, one of those great needs is, as the uh, Chamber are doing, looking to to make sure that Drogheda people are ready to run when the opportunities arise. We'll talk about that in a second. Bring us back to some of the things that you've done over the years and some of the things you take most pride in. Oh, I suppose um, the the earliest big project we did was uh, one of our founder members was a medical doctor in the town and she had women coming into her practice who had uh, children with um, a disability Mm. And there was no such thing as anything. If anybody read the book My Left Foot or saw the movie, you'll know that Christy Brown, only his mother saw that he had intelligence. He was left at home. And that was the way these people, these were hidden children. And um, some of them were got rid of, of course, one of the legacies of the past in Ireland too. Uh, But she said, we will make a school for these children. And St. Edith's is the first school on this island for these children. And there they opened just a couple of years after because in 1960, I think. So that's the earliest, most proud one. That's a standout moment. Yeah. So it was. It was. It was. Mm. And the other great thing uh, at that time was there was an old, an old home, St. John's home for old elderly ladies in the town who were on their uppers in their old age. And uh, they hadn't even got running water. So the Seroptimus put in uh, water for them and made a garden for them so they could come out and enjoy. And of course, those ladies being rather whatever in those days, not like us now, knuckle into everything. (laughs) But uh, they got their Rotarian husbands to dig the garden. So we were partners from very early times. That was almost a revenge, wasn't it, for what had happened all those years previously in (laughs) Ah, America. Tell us now about the uh, science, technology, engineering and math seminar that's coming up and particularly the appeal you're making to young girls to get involved in these subjects. Exactly. Well, we're on the 26th of September, which is Wednesday week. We are um, having a morning seminar or event in Drogheda Grammar School, mm-hmm. who are very kindly hosting us again this year. We started this last year and um, we're inviting seven schools uh, from around the town and from uh, Balbriggan, from um, so the, the, the Loretto wider, in Balbriggan. The Bal- well, it's really just the Loretto in Balbriggan mm-hmm. because um, one of our members is a, 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 a wonderful, very, very brilliant woman who um, her father only had girls. So he was a STEM promoter from mm. a very early time. And uh, name her, go on, name her. Uh, Siobhan Matthews mm. is her name. And she is the um, owner and president, I suppose, our managing director of uh, S- SCF. Uh, processing, uh, which she's an engineer mm. and uh, an academic who has decided to start up her own business. So uh, she's the, the the brilliance behind all of this. 
and uh, I taught all my life and I taught disadvantaged kids in Dublin and I, I, I'm on, on a mission really to make sure that every girl is out there and gets the chance to be the best that she can mm-hmm. be. So between us, we came up with this idea that when first year girls, uh, oh, I, I drifted a bit there. Siobhan went to Loretto in Balbriggan and that's and why. That's the connection, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But we're on this mission to make sure that the girls are up and ready and there are all sorts of little STEM projects and big STEM projects. The Department of Education and Science have um, have a program now that their their ambition is to get by 2026 that the Irish population will be the most highly educated and qualified in these areas to take advantage of the changes mm. coming. Um, that's their mission. We don't know what's going to happen with the economy and everything else, whether that'll happen. But it is the, the wish of the present government that that's what will happen. But we're, we're looking now at, and I was a secondary school teacher, and they come into first year and they're full of enthusiasm. It's a new beginning. It's a new start. So even if you didn't pull out the finger in to primary school, it doesn't, matter. Is, it doesn't no. matter. It's a clean slate. Start now. And be the best that you can be and also make your subject choice as well. And they don't have to sign off on their subjects until another few weeks the department Mm. gives until the October returns. So they could, you know, they have still a chance if they wanted to. But basically, we want the science, technology, engineering and mathematics. STEM. STEM, S-T-E-M, Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics. We're zooming in on those. They're what it is. And, and that's you know, where the future is. That's, that's where everything the fu- is pointing. And mathematics. Oh, I'm not able for mathematics. Mathematics can be great fun and mm-hmm. the opportunity out there. And we've got a really fantastic young girl coming who's an actuary uh, to tell them why she picked it, what it is and what you can go for. And it's wonderful to see the number of girls that are going into actuary. You know, when I finished school, actuary was very much a man's thing. Mm. And uh, of course, there were only very few of us that were allowed to do honours maths and and very few girls' schools had honours maths, you know. First year is very important to get the girls into the stream, isn't it? To get them down that path. And to encourage them to go for it and to be as good as they can and not to sit back and say, oh, I'll be grand sure I passed. Mm. You know, if you think you can pass with a little bit of interest, you know, just go for it. Push, Get push off the push. mobile phones and play with numbers and figures and concepts rather than games. So the seminar is going to be in the grammar school. Yep. Wednesday week. Wednesday week. Now, you're, this is LMFM. This is LMFM. So it's the Drada, the Drada Grammar, Grammar School. School. Where can people get more information? They can get more information from uh, their schools all know. Mm-hmm. All the schools have the packs and they are now having to send in the uh, send in the forms with their numbers, their numbers. Uh, by the uh, by Friday this week. So, you know, we're... we're um, uh, is it by tomorrow? Anyway, it's this week, yeah. the final numbers. And then next year, I presume, and, and the year after, you'll, please you'll God. be pushing Please, God. And, you know, we, it started in Drada, this for first year, and the Dublin Seroptimists are doing it this year. Oh, so yeah. we're hoping that it, too, will we'll go national, nation. like the public speaking that we do for the senior kids. Well, okay? we wish you the very best of luck with the STEM seminar. Thank you very much uh, indeed, That's Carl Smith, 
immediate past president of the yeah, Eleanor Cummins is the Eleanor present Cummins president and we wish Eleanor the very best luck well, good luck to everybody attending the seminar in the grammar school in Drogheda in Drogheda on Wednesday week Sinead thank you for your time this afternoon no problem as always Cahill can I give a quick shout out to Gordon and Rochelle Manning from Kells who had a little baby girl last night Gordon works on oh, yes. and he's a contributor to this programme and he loves ham sandwich so we played that song that you played there previously for Gordon's new daughter and the best of luck to them with that Carol thank you it's been a pleasure thank you Carol Sinead thank you for your time we'll see you again tomorrow God yeah I'll be here of Excellent. course same who time, else is going to be here with you same time same place from one thirty tomorrow afternoon the late lunch on LMFM thank you for listening the Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Rider, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.